Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Leah. And this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today, we are chatting with Claire Miller about Little Red River Park in Prince Albert and Claire's outdoor experiential learning company, Wilderneck. Hey, welcome, Claire. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, can you start off by telling us a little bit about your background and maybe some of your current life? Sure. Well, I grew up uh, in or just south of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan on a farm, and I was so fortunate to grow up just sort of in the heart of wetlands uh, with plenty of opportunity to have unstructured play and exploration with, you know, garter snakes, salamanders, freshwater shrimp. So just very, very fortunate uh, childhood for my brothers and I. And I think that developed this close connection to nature um, that I seem to have wherever I go. And so uh, fast forward a bunch of decades and I find myself in Saskatoon and finding every opportunity I can take to uh, facilitate nature connection for the youth and people of all ages that I work with. Um, I guess I started off uh, in teaching in Saskatoon with the EcoQuest program, a great integrated program. And uh, that was a wonderful opportunity. During mat leave with my son, he's now six, I uh, decided to start my own business called Wilderness Fresh Air Learning. And I had the question of like, what would a program like EcoQuest, what would that look like for all ages? What would that look like for grandparents? What would that look like for a baby? What would that look like, um, you know, for a teenager? And just sort of thinking about um, all these possibilities that exist. So I sort of see these possibilities everywhere. Um, after my mat leave, I was really fortunate to teach um, at Sylvia Fedoric School and be the swale, Northeast Swale liaison, mm. which took all 400 kids out to learn at the Northeast Swale and then had the opportunity to teach in the outdoor school program, uh, which is a grade 11 program based at Marion Graham School, also at Saskatoon Public Schools. Um, you can find me now just focusing uh, primarily on Wilderneck and spending time with uh, my family. And uh, Wilderneck always has projects sort of on the go. And I think I'll have an opportunity to chat about those later. You bet. Claire, are there any sort of pivotal experiences from your childhood or young adult that helped you care so much about outdoor education? Oh, definitely. Um, I had a, a challenging time in middle years. Uh, we were all a bunch of sort of farm and trailer court kids that got bussed into the city and there wasn't many outlets or things for us to do there. Um, and so we had sort of this misplaced energy and I found myself quite tense and stressed coming home from the school day and one of something I discovered was just going and what's now called forest bathing, but going in and spending time uh, in the Aspen Bluffs and mucking around on my raft um, on, on my parents, what I called a slew, but wetlands. <laughs> and so that got me through the middle years experience and was, was absolutely pivotal. And, you know, when you go to high school and you realize your peers aren't doing the same thing, or you go do your, your um, graduate studies and, realize like, okay, I was onto something um, in my youth that uh, I found really near and dear to me. And then now I can research it and, and uh, try to 
support others in, in bringing nature connection and, and some nature therapy into their own lives. So that, that one stands out for sure as just something that I did that was completely secret from my family. I'm sure they, you know, they knew I was doing something out there for hours, but uh, <laughs> I was really just sort of um, self-regulating, I guess. And so that was, that was for sure pivotal for me. That's really neat. And yeah, I find like you were mentioning two unique programs in Saskatoon here um, with EcoQuest and, and Outdoor School. And yeah, I find that since those are unique, and I like I'm myself, I'm connected to one too, but you do think about all those kids that don't get that, that kind of connection to the outdoors in that same way and lose out on that opportunity to, to have that kind of experience that you got to have in your middle years being outside and have that kind of, yeah, regulating thing. But, uh, which is why I think it's so cool. You started this, your own business doing this too, to open it up for everybody to be involved and not just a few in the city or in the province too. Yeah. It was also, um, you know, just creating a security blanket for myself because as some folks know, teaching in, in public schools, you get, you do get moved around and you, you don't have control about uh, where you'll be placed. And so uh, this was a bit of uh, security that I could continue to work in my passion place. So we, we started when we were brainstorming, having you as a guest on our podcast, we were talking about little red river park in Prince Albert. Mm-hmm. Can you describe that place for our listeners who have never been there? Sure. Um, Little Red River Park is just uh, unassuming from the outside park that is filled with biodiverse variety from with uh, topographical sort of variety. It is it is really remarkable. You don't have to go very far in, and it it really I think should be something that is um, got some. I don't know what national park status or it's, it, 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 I think people are discovering it and they fall in love with it. Um, I grew up skiing and, and playing on the sand hills and just thinking, you know, maybe everybody grew up with a little red nearby them and uh, just visiting it each year and having conversations and then being able to facilitate, um, I guess, two experiences now um, in partnership with Sask Outdoors in the city of Prince Albert and just spend time with folks coming out from Prince Albert I, I guess I'm just over time realizing that there's so much more that we need to learn and that the general public doesn't know about Little Red. Little Red. Um, and, and having traveled more, just realizing that the, it is on par with a lot of places that we visit um, in terms of its ecological significance. Um, so there's, a, there's that coming from my personal perspective, um, but it is a large tract of of land that has sort of an upper plains, the lower plains, it has the Little Red, which is actually the Spruce River flowing through it. And the Spruce River um, starts in uh, PA National Park at the Haida Lands. And like I was reading about it, it kind of blew my mind because you think you know a place and you really don't know a place, but it has a larger watershed than um, like Anglin Lake, than uh, Christopher, than, I'm trying to think what other lake, but it, it travels through and feeds through these different areas that we're familiar with at our destination. And yet the Spruce River, um, while being such a large watershed, isn't on people's mind uh, in the same way. So it's a pretty special place. It eventually feeds into um, the North Saskatchewan River. And it has been, I guess, 
diverted and um, uh, has provided water to different uh, recreational communities for different purposes. And so it's, it's just this this river that's um, familiar yet uh, has has really been um, altered in, in many ways. Um, in terms of the site, I think a lot of people from Prince Albert go out to Little Red for um, campfires, for sliding, for skiing and snowboarding at the little hill there. There's lots of uh, day use in the site. And so we, in many ways, um, it's in a lot of people's um, childhood and family experiences. It's part of that, but maybe people don't or could benefit from learning more about uh, some of the ecological significance of the park. And so it's part of the Nisbet Forest, but it's an island. It's a, you know, 12, I think it's 1200 acre island, but similar to the Nisbet Forest that uh, folks ski at for edge trails. Um, it is completely surrounded by um, agricultural land and by road development, that kind of thing. So it's, it's really, really important to protect and to recognize like where it fits as part of this larger network of the, the, the Nisbet Forest. So you've been teaching outdoor education in multiple capacities for a while. When you get to one of these locations, like a little red, what do you look for in a place that you can facilitate outdoor learning? Let's say with some, with kids. Oh, yes. Such a good question. Because the, and I'm not going to directly answer your question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but the little red is, falls within the Prince Albert city limits. However, um, you know, there's very little washroom access in the park besides what's in the Cosmopolitan Lodge. And so that is a bit of a challenge. There are former uh, public washrooms that are not maintained that need to be either, yeah, I think they need to be replaced. And so um, it's a bit of a, a a limitation uh, to rely on that cosmopolitan lodge, which is sort of the restaurant um, for the public washroom access because it's a large park and you there's uh, several entrances to it. Uh, so when you're, if you were to bus there with a group of kids and certainly I had the opportunity to work with the city of Prince Albert and run a day camp uh, there. And that was one of our, our things that we really had to navigate was how are we going to um ensure that there is, uh, you know, hygienic wa washing conditions. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there is, the, there is the, that, um, and then, uh, one thing, you know, is I guess scouting the site first is really important. Um, and, but I, I really appreciate at the little red there's, uh, you know, the, the river site, there are, uh, as a forest site, there's the plains, the upper plains, there's plenty that you can access. And so for a day trip with kids, um, you could be learning in a lot of different uh, sites without needing to travel a great distance. Um, but it is really important, I think, to just check those, those sites first and know. And then for myself, uh, especially working with younger kids, I scouted and then uh, put up some boundaries so that if we are near the river, then here's our you know stop area um, and just have that kind of clearly communicated in advance. Mm -hmm. Claire, can you tell us a bit about some of the outdoor experiences that you facilitated for people at Little Red? Sure. Uh, so the activities 
that we did at the day camp, um, we discovered that there was a really wonderful pond uh, that was, you know, you know, we had never thought to pond dip there. And it was really remarkable, um, just the amount of the range of critters that the kids were dipping from the pond. And I think that, you know, the sand hill is, is quite the draw, but the pond um, ended up being this really wonderful hands-on experience where kids um, who never, you know, associated the Little Red with being a place that had um, like such aquatic variety. Uh, so that was a real highlight. Um, we did something that's quite silly as just um, play, bring more playfulness during the pandemic um, to the kids. And that was, we walked along the trail and they had these clues. So they got to a clue box and had to like solve a riddle to open the lock. And then they got supplies to decorate a watermelon. And so, and name their watermelon. And they <laughs> then hauled their watermelon up to the sand hill and then they worked together to create like a watermelon run to send this watermelon just like hurtling down the sand hill and uh, so that was just like a really nice kind of release for everyone and it doesn't sound ecological at all but it was an opportunity it was more on the team building and like let's construct something together with loose parts like sand as our loose parts um and that was just full of full of giggles and an opportunity for all, us all to play a little bit and then it you know we talked about how that idea of um you know should this watermelon get out of control at least it's biodegradable that kind of thing our rationale behind it but um yeah that was that was a hit as well <laughs> That's uh, something that we did uh, with the little kids was uh thinking about how we could give back to the river um be, you know, as the river is traveling along and bringing oxygen and nutrients um, with it to uh, downstream. And so we talked about how we, you know, you could see see a drop in the river and that, that would be where the oxygen could get in, but that we could contribute um, adding some nutrients to the river um, by breaking down leaves. So we took our hole punches and we went up to the leaves and um, hole punched a bunch of holes to make leaf confetti. And then we uh, somewhat ceremoniously sprinkled all the leaf confetti into the river and um, the kids the kids were adorable and we I mean it's, <laughs> it's micronutrients but it's it's partly just practicing that stewardship right and that element of play like you were saying I think that's such a cool part of what you do too yeah so that's the it, there's uh, any number of, of uh, fun activities uh, very close to the parking lot, but uh, those ones, those ones stand out to me for sure. Thanks for sharing those. I'm sure that uh, I know for me, I got some pretty entertaining visuals in my head of these watermelons and decorating them and the, the fun and kind of carefreeness that might come with that. Um, as you mentioned, as we're all dealing with the pandemic still. Yeah. You know, um, the city wanted a, a camp experience and, Sometimes, you know, we, you have to think about, well, what are, what's something that we can just create the conditions for and they'll just run with as opposed to, um, you know, needing more instruction. So that was a, a really clear winner for us. Yeah. In previous conversations, Claire, you mentioned that 
um, having a conservation designation like is in place for the Northeast Swale could be beneficial for Little Red. Can you tell us more about the Northeast Swale and your, it sounds like you've done quite a bit of work there um, and how you see the two places being similar or needing the same kind of care? Sure, I'll do my best. Uh, so the Northeast Swale is a really um, critical wildlife corridor that's running um, 26 kilometers and it's, a, it's an ancient river channel. Um, now is a ribbon or a series of wetlands uh, that provides really um, important migration habitat, but also year-round habitat. And it's got sort of complex um, food webs that are present there. Um, and much of it, I think, let's see, eight, about eight kilometers of it was, is within um, the city of Saskatoon. So there's some parallels there. Um, now, I don't know that... Uh, Little Red would have maybe the same like migratory significance, but it absolutely um, represents an important ecosystem that I think is is I've seen a lot of habitat loss, and it's at sort of the it's that boreal in the boreal transition zone, um, and I think it would similarly it acts as a wildlife corridor following the the Spruce River. Um, so I, I can see just it's this large uh, area that has native prairie. It has um, some for, like forested areas and that it is really crucial um, habitat. Um, so I think preserving it similar to the Northeast Whale, like even though it's within the city limits and protecting it from development and even putting some more additional conservation measures on it uh, so that it's you know, not uh, at risk of, you know, like I, I, I can see that some of the trees are, are older and have um, experienced that like witch's broom from the, the spruce budworm. Uh, so that probably some sort of like uh, maintenance burning could be useful, but um, you know, I, I, I'm not, a, you know, a conservation biologist to speak um too in depth on either of those, but there for sure are some some parallels, and I think a lot could be learned from uh, what is uh, being done to to protect the Northeast Swale um, in terms of not just designating it, but I think public education uh, for the the city of Prince Albert as well, and I think um, applying for and, and getting some funding to support it as well would be would be really important too. Very hmm. cool. Yeah, I've been to Northeast Swale, but never to Little Red, but I'm really curious now. So, um, Claire, being a mom of a little one, do you find that sometimes your lessons that you would use in Wildernook are from your own experiences being a mom or vice versa? You have these Wildernook experiences. You're like, I need to do this with my child. Uh, you know, it's so fascinating because every year, maybe even every season, I think it's going to be so great. And I'm going to align my, my teaching and my parenting. And I've got my son coming to a, a camp. It's a pop-up nature play day tomorrow. And again and again, I'm reminded of like why that's not as good of an idea as I, as I think <laughs> it will be. Um, so, you know, I, I aspire to have things nicely integrate and align, but the reality is our kids are their own hundred percent their own people. And, um, 
you know, they, they, they have, they're going to take their own route. And if I am uh, seeming keen on something, then they, they will push or he will in, in this case, push back. So there's the, what, what would be nice. And then there's the reality, which are, <laughs> are drastically different. So he's his own soul and he, uh, he participates, <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's more challenging uh, when we're in the same, doing the same thing together. Um, as opposed to, I guess, you know, we, we have so many, uh, wonderful, uh, experiences playing in, in forested or wetland areas. Um, and so I, I guess that's different, but some of the programming, I certainly plan with him in mind thinking this would be awesome. Um, and then I'm just reminded of how I, I can't have that expectation of, of him, you know, thriving in what I create. <laughs> he needs to have his own community too. <laughs> As a parent, I can definitely relate to what you just shared, Claire. <laughs> Let's talk about Wildernick a bit more. Uh, a lot of your current programming is centered around getting little ones and youth outdoors in the winter. Why do you see this as being such an important part of your work? Uh, you know, I'm just going to share something that, you know, I was teaching an EcoQuest and I was teaching with Scott Thompson and we were... Uh, you know, exploring and using each other as a sounding board and something that we came up with is like winter. There's us, there's the land as teacher, but like winter is a, such a teacher. Really. You learn so much from living and being outdoors in winter. And it's something that I think in Saskatchewan, our narrative is we kind of like brace for it, endure it, leave if we can. And doesn't set us up well to be long <laughs> standing year round citizens um, that, that thrive in nature. And I think that can start at a young age and uh, we can play a part at it, you know, looking at the lessons that, that winter teaches. And so um, I think that similarly, a lot of books like resource books, they, go big in the spring, summer, fall, and maybe could do more uh, with winter. Um, the below zero with um, the Canadian Wildlife Federation that you offer that training is a great exception to that. But uh, I think we live here and as outdoor educators and parents and leaders, uh, we could, if we've got it, the capacity, we could step up to um, be better leaders and role models in terms of offering programming in winter. So we see it as an opportunity and a challenge to try to go big in what we offer and, and offer a big invitation and uh, really see those, the positives in, in the opportunities that, that winter brings. So, you know, uh, we've been out, we're in a current cold, I'm doing the air quotes right now, but <laughs> colder <laughs> stretch and um, yeah, we're still running like uh, two and three hour programs where we're, outside for that long stretch and we're having that dialogue with kids to notice you know do they need to generate more heat how can we generate more heat um let's work on that together and so that they're sort of self-monitoring and adjusting their um participation accordingly so it's uh really important i think that it's we've got that foundation like so many things right in that that critical window um say like I, I recently was I was doing some cross-country ski coaching training and the experience of being able to slide on ice that's something that's foundational 
and you build on it. But ideally, you'll learn how to slide and then relax to be relaxed enough to slide on ice um, before age six. And then you can kind of build on those and that will help you with skating and skiing. Um, so you see like trying to teach cross country skiing to somebody who's an adult who's never been okay with sliding on ice. Well, their muscles are not relaxed at all and they are resisting, resisting, resisting. And so like many things, that exposure at an early age in a positive way, we're not suffering. You're not being tortured here. This is a playful, positive, fun experience. Um, and look, there's these animals that are out here as well. And um, I, yeah, I think that that, that is uh, a great opportunity. And we'd be doing our kiddos a disservice if we just skipped winter. One of my favorite things that I see in adults and kids and myself about being outside in winter is resiliency. I just think it is a perfect opportunity to practice that. And like you say, check in with yourself and um, check in with the other people that you're with. And when you're, when you're done or when I'm done, I often feel that sense of pride or resilience that I, I did this thing that it's kind of hard, but I figured out how to be able to do it. So I, it's great that you're offering that to the young ones in your program. Absolutely. Some of the kids just are so proud that they, you know, have been out when maybe in school it was an indoor recess and they, you can tell they've just got this, this pride about them that they were able to be enjoying themselves outside for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Where do you, where do you kind of see wilderness going in, over the long term here? Let's say even like over five years, or maybe it's like year by year planning for you, but what kind of vision would you see for it in five years? Yeah, great question. I think that some of the long-term planning has really been um, tossed, maybe is a strong word, yeah. but with the pandemic, <laughs> it's been trickier to plan. Um, so certainly, um, we're in the newer stages of the business and we've been trying to like respond to what uh, people are, are looking for while also trying to be interdisciplinary. Um, something that I know is near and dear to my heart is designing uh, solutions. And so looking at, you know, how can we use design, some design thinking to uh, try and, and provide, sorry, I guess, increase uh, nature opportunities. Um, so I can see see that trend continuing, but I think, um, in the future, looking to, you know, uh, reach more, more folks. So whether that is trying to scale, um, bring on more staff, um, if that's trying to document and uh, reach out to people through, uh, materials, um, we, yeah, I think some of the things like nature grandparenting have been running for you know, four years and multiple seasons. And so we're getting fairly confident with nature grandparenting or nature play care um, that there's, there's some next steps that we need to take so that we can uh, share that experience with more people. Mm. A significant um, area of focus is uh, the Punch Buggy Express. And so this is a project that started before the pandemic and it's a partnership with the city of Saskatoon and downtown YXB and tourism Saskatchewan. And so it is <laughs> something I'm really, really excited about, but um, it's, a, it's a children's pedal bus that runs along the river where, where children cycle 
uh, between destinations. And so this idea actually came up uh, trying to take kids kindergarten, grade one, grade two, to the Northeast Whale, walk a kilometer, then go for a walk in the Whale and then walk back again um, and do that in a class period or two. And um, I just felt the friction of distance. So got onto the idea of children's pedal buses and cool. now I'm really hooked on children's pedal buses. Um, <laughs> I've been working on this for a couple of years. So um, 2022, it's been quite a uh, dealio getting it shipped, but 2022 is the summer of the children's pedal bus in Saskatoon. It is going to be um, pretty, pretty remarkable. There isn't anything like it that I'm aware of in Canada. And so children will have a early exposure and positive experience uh, cycling themselves rather than, you know, hopping in their car, which I think is a bad message to, to drive, you know, a kilometer to the next uh, place that they're going um, along the riverbanks. So um, something that connects this to what we're already doing with Wilderneck is that it will be driven by a, um, a cycle interpreter who will facilitate some nature connection um, activities along the way. So we're just sneaking it in there. That's really yeah. neat. And yeah. Claire, just so to give our listeners an idea of what this looks like, is this kind of like, I've seen them in bigger cities and I think they have some in Saskatoon now for adults meant for like eight people or 10 people or 12 people paddle or pedaling all together, moving the same thing. Hey. Yeah, so they're both quadricycles. Uh, the pedal pub, folks, uh, are, it's, their, it's adult size, but folks are facing inwards to a pub setting, um, you know, where there's a, a bartender and they right. have the, the, um, the bar, right? Um, so in this one, the kids are facing forward and there's a steering wheel and there is like the front of the bus and the back of the bus. Um, so it's very much oriented like a school bus um and it's all kid size so it's smaller but they're both quadricycles and there's a lot of similarities between the two for sure cool. and i hope that we can like hide, you know wave each other, wave to each other as we, <laughs> we pass each other along the river. that's such a neat idea i'm gonna look forward to seeing that yeah i cannot wait it's a great i think a great solution but it has uh involved a lot of problem solving, just even, you know, running into something like a bollard that is on your route or a narrow hairpin turn or those kind of things, um, trail developments, then it involves multiple, uh, emails and conversations to problem solve around it. <laughs> Storage. Yeah. yeah. There's, 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 <laughs> it's going to be good, but there's been some figuring out in the back. I bet. I bet. On. Um, we've talked a lot about like youth engagement and getting kids involved. Do you have kind of any programs that are geared specifically for adults? Um, I know you have like ski experiences and stuff. Would that be kind of centered for them? Yeah. So, um, this year, uh, based on interest, I invented or created a program called ski experience that is sort of channeling that idea of like a book club on skis or, um, like tourism skiing with a bit of technique woven in. So we've got a group of wonderful folks that are coming out on Thursday evenings and we'll be skiing at progressively um, more challenging locations. We'll start off at, on the flats and um, the idea is that it's going to address, you know, the need for our, um, act, like to learn. So developing some ski technique 
to connect with one another. So there'll be like a social component um, and then to get active and get our body moving and our blood flowing. So hopefully uh, folks will go home with their cups feeling full um, and learn a little bit about our city while we're out there and uh, just, you know, bring people together when in the evenings, when it's dark, um, sometimes it doesn't happen unless it's facilitated for you. So that's mm-hmm. the, the idea behind, behind ski, ski experience. That's neat. <laughs> It will. Nice having a group to push you doing all those things too, especially on nights you not, might not feel like getting out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm coaching cross-country skiing with the jackrabbits. And yeah, I love it. it it's uh, so much fun. So, I've heard your numbers are through the roof for jackrabbits, eh? Yeah, you know, I it it sure seems like it had drop off. There's a lot of kids with skis, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I only know my own group. Right. Uh, yeah. Fair. Ten kids, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Claire, I was going to actually ask you too. Are you available to be contracted out to schools, like like a class? Yeah. Yeah, because I think that'd be such a neat experience to bring you out with us in various places, and yeah, that'd be great. Oh, for Take sure. me a little red. I mean, I'd go other other. Yeah. Places. No, for and sure. And also the Northeast Swale. Yeah, it'll be great to piggyback. Like it's such a it's such a bus ride for us. It'd be great to piggyback Little Red with like another experience on the way back or on the way up too. So that'd be really neat. It sounds like you're doing a lot of ski things and that cross-country skiing is a real big passion of yours. Are there any other ski-related things that you have on the go that you'd like to share? Yeah, actually, um just having so much fun on skis with kids, we decided. Uh, to open up Kinder Ski Club, which is a drop-off program for kids uh, to spend more time playing on their skis. Because one thing that we realized is that the winter is actually kind of short when you consider folks leave for the holidays. There might be a few cold weather cancellations. And, you know, kids can uh, grow and improve their skills, but they need to be out skiing regularly. So if you miss a few weeks and, you know, if we don't get snowfall, very early on last year we had an amazing snowfall this year we were just like hoping for more for more snow um but it can be a shorter season than than we think we think oh we've got this long long winter but it might only be a couple months uh so this uh kinder ski club is an opportunity for kids to come and play on their skis and it's a little less lesson and more um you know we might be playing house on our skis we might be playing train in the train tracks on our skis um but we'll have um, kids learning by like responding to the conditions while they're on their skis. So it's very playful and kids will come away, um, feeling like they are somebody who is comfortable skiing, belongs on their skis, is a skier. So it's a big, big dose of motivation there. So excited for that one. It is Thursdays. Very cool. Claire, I think you're the only person I've ever heard of in Saskatchewan who said our winters are short. Um, which I think speaks to you being excited and getting people excited about being outdoors, which is pretty cool all year round. Um, and one thing I know that's coming up is this, uh, lantern walk solstice thing that's happening I, today. We're shooting this on the, we're filming this on or recording this on the 20th. So for the, this is the 21st, it's coming out. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, tomorrow, uh, partnering with the wonder hub and leading, uh, lantern walks for for their audiences we've got two that are going to be going out in the evening and it's a really neat opportunity to do something to mark solstice and to be you know t- 
taking the time to spend for families to spend it together, um, thinking about maybe um, what they can bring um, during this darkest day of the year and what it, the next few months might look like. Uh, so in terms of what we're facilitating, uh, it's a little bit like a story followed by um, opportunity to make your own lantern. Then we take those lanterns outside and we do some uh, outdoor activities and it's a little bit difficult to describe, but um, if you've ever gone on a lantern walk before, there's a tradition in like Germany, in uh, Waldorf schools, in the Netherlands, of uh, celebrating uh, Martin, Martin Mass, which is actually often celebrated on November 11th. And that is Remembrance Day here. Um, but it is sort of like the coming of winter and the darker days and how are we going to shine our, our brightest light um, into those darkest days. Um, and so uh, with the groups that I'll be working with, we'll be thinking about how we had the opportunity to charge up our batteries in the summer months and the, the fall. And now we've got this energy that we can share and shine. And we'll do that through our own creative uh, lantern creations. And then we do some, some symbolic gestures um, where we, you know, bring our lanterns together and we sing some, some intentional songs um, and we, we play with light. And it's just, a, I, I think, a fun community uh, connection opportunity when, you know, otherwise it would, you might go for a walk by yourself or your dog or be at home. <laughs> so it's, quite, it's quite neat for kids and they feel like they're part of something too. Neat. Yeah, the imagery of the dark night and the lights lighting it up is a, seems like a really powerful one. So I'm sure the people attending will have a wonderful time with you tomorrow. Thank you. Well, let's yeah. say someone listens to this a little bit after the solstice. Will this be something that is kind of looked to keep going next year? Perhaps? You know, I'm so glad you asked that because uh, we are leading another one with the Wonder Hub on January 13th. Perfect. So check it out. There's another opportunity right there. Will do. Well, as we start to wrap up, Claire, we have two questions that we ask all of our guests and they're tricky ones. So take your time. The first one is, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? Yeah, I was asked this one recently and I, you know, it depends on when you ask me this, but recently my thought was I would change um, not having boundary or uh, borders so like uh political political borders um because i think that so many decisions are made um and the way that we relate to land is affected by these uh, political borders and who's allowed in and who's not and uh so yeah i think that would be that would be one change and i would make remove those political borders i think that have great consequences to it and it'd be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> Um, one question we always like to ask is where is your favorite outdoor place to visit in Saskatchewan? Hmm. Well, there's a place that I've been visiting since I was a child and it's at Weaquin Lake. And so my family has a cabin in Ramsey Bay on Weaquin Lake. And you can walk across the peninsula on this, uh, or snowmobile trail and arrive at another bay and I really like to walk through uh, in the winter and all seasons but and it's just 
really quiet and you walk out on the ice and you can see where the ice has shifted and sort of um, crumpled up onto shore. There's trees that are often overhanging the lake and you can kind of climb out on them. Um, so it's a really um, beautiful place to visit and a place that's special to me as I've been visiting it my life, my, my whole life. Um, so I think it would be, that's what it would be. Very cool. Sounds like a magical place. Mm-hmm. It really is. Is there anything that you would like to add? Well, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to come on uh, this this podcast. I'd like to invite your listeners to uh, take a whole day and go visit Little Red River Park and pack a lunch or visit. There, there is a place where you can buy lunch there, but uh, walk the trails and get get further into the park, get past the picnic tables, get past the sand hill um, and really just spend the day. Um, I think it's it's important that that is a place that people in Saskatchewan get to know and get to appreciate and, and start to advocate for. I'd also like to uh, invite folks to just keep a lookout for the Punch Buggy Express in the summer months. And hopefully you can check us out. Um, we're going to be launching our website in the new year. It's punchbuggyexpress.com. But I think I think your listeners would, would find it a lot of fun and kind of a neat, sustainable uh, transportation solution for kids too. Great. We will definitely include that website. Um, and you've talked a lot about Wilderness. Can you tell our listeners how people can connect with Wilderness? Sure. Um, we've got a website at uh, wilderneck.com and we are on social media at wilderneck. And uh, we love to collaborate and develop and design solutions. So if your organization uh, has an idea, chances are we've got some ideas that we'd like to help you implement. So don't hold off on getting in touch. Well, Claire, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, and yeah, we hope that we'll get the chance to visit with you again in the future. And we certainly look forward to taking part in more of your programs and joining up with you again. I hope so too. Thanks so much for the chat. Leah, what is your takeaway from this uh, conversation with Claire? Well, as you pointed out during our conversation, she is the first person that I've heard say that Saskatchewan winters are short. So I think I'm going to be mulling that over for a while. Um, And as someone who has kids who participate in a biathlon program, we are really experiencing that with waiting for the snow to come and then wondering how long it's going to stay. So I think I, my takeaway is that I need to enjoy winter while it's here, uh, even if it's cold and that there are lots of fun things to do outside and to take some, get some inspiration from some of the ideas that Claire mentioned. Absolutely. I think, I think for me, uh, since I'm still learning more about winter education, I'm going to be looking to utilize Claire, maybe on a couple trips with my school, um, and looking through how ways to get her contractor out there with my class for sure. And I got to make it out to little red. I think it's embarrassing to, to sometimes be like, oh, I've never heard of this. I've never been out there before. And we live in Saskatchewan. I got to go see some of these places. So I'm, I'm grateful that it was brought up in, in this show. This podcast is produced in association with Sask Outdoors. Check us out online at saskoutdoors.org.